everyone and welcome to this week's episode of We're Spinning Plates. I'm Kira, And I'm Em. And we're almost coming towards the end of this first season, which is kind of crazy. First season, second season, whatever you want to <laughs> whatever call it. Whatever it's called. We've only got a couple left to go, which is kind of wild. Um, but I'm very excited about this episode. I feel like it's going to be a fun little discussion. Yeah, I think it's very on brand. Like when we were planning out the episodes for this season, we went to a coffee shop, we got cake and coffee and we planned out everything we were going to do. And this one is like one that will never feature in a season again because it's totally based on circumstance and the time that we're recording this season. But I think it will be very like a lot of people will maybe want to partake in this discussion with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure because, well, from what I've seen on social media, everyone has been getting involved in their own little discussions about it. So lots to discuss. But before we go any further, shall we jump into our highs and lows of the week? Absolutely. So my high of the week is another one of those situations where everyone talks about something and I'm like, oh, I'm not going to watch that or I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to read that. And then when I finally do, I realise I should have done it all along and just got off my high horse. And usually (laughs) you're on the camp of you have watched it. But I know that we kind of decided subconsciously to do this at the same time. So I started Sex Education I've now watched Uh, all three. So Ben really enjoys it. And he binge watched like the third season without me because I'd never watched the others. And then I was working from home and I kind of, you know, sometimes you need background noise when you're working from home. I just put on the first season and now I'm obsessed. I watched three seasons in like a week and a half and it is literally one of the best programs. Like Adam is, I think, one of my favorite characters. I mean, obviously he's no Brooke Davis because no one is, Um, but one of my favorite TV characters I've ever watched on the screen. I think it's so fun to see his growth because yeah. obviously he's awful at the start. Um, but like, yeah, so I had never watched Sex Education. It wasn't really even on my radar because I just kind of thought, oh, it's for younger people. Yeah. I'm I'm old now, so <laughs> it wasn't for me. But actually, I feel like it can apply to, to everyone, like whether it's like a nostalgia thing or just like appreciating the humour, but it's so funny. Um, and two of my friends, Carolyn and Mary, both said that they really thought I would like it, so... I often find that I like the same shows as them, so decided to watch it, loved it, it's amazing. I think my favourite character is Amy, I I knew you were going to say that, like, I I said to Ben at the beginning, I think my favourite characters are going to change, like, at the beginning it was Eric... And now mine are like Adam and Amy because I just I just want to give them a hug. So I do, I do completely understand the Amy thing. It's just funny because they're the first two characters that you see yeah. on the screen. Which is first, no, first you saying that about Adam being like the horrible character in the beginning is so interesting to me because Brooke Davis is the horrible, mean character in the beginning mm. and she has a character arc. So I think what I like in characters is kind of like a redemption arc where you like... We love to see growth. Yeah, where you see why they are the way they are um, and then they mellow out and they just become really heartwarming characters. Like that is absolutely my bag but I also realized we didn't explain what it is for anyone that didn't watch oh yeah and you're better at descriptions than me so although this is my high can you explain what sex education is okay so if you don't know I feel like most people do but if you don't know sex education is like a teen drama set in high school in the UK but it's kind of a bit of a weird one because the the kids don't wear uniforms so it's kind of got Mm -hmm. a bit of a crossover between USA and UK styles Um, and we have our main character Otis whose mum Gillian Anderson is a like sex therapist Um, and then we have another main character Maeve who is kind of like she's not popular but she's like feared by people so she's kind of like a bit of an outcast but also like 
I don't know, she's got power in a sense because she's yeah. just like very like doesn't really care what anyone else thinks. Um, and somehow the two of them together end up being like the school's sex therapist, like giving mm-hmm. people advice um, about sex in like some abandoned toilet block behind the school grounds um, and they're actually very good at it but in and amongst that you've obviously got all of the typical things that you would see in a teen drama about loads of relationship issues and um, family sort of things going on friendships all of that good stuff but it does a really good job of actually addressing in an educational way things that I'm sure a lot of young people would relate to as well as dealing with some things that maybe older people who didn't have such good sex education yeah. are still suffering with in adulthood but it does it in a funny way that doesn't seem preachy but also just like provides information and I think it's so so good so yeah I really like it yeah I think that's the thing it it manages to balance the fact that it is educational with being just such a comfort watch as well I think I've cried several times watching that but the two that really spring to mind are their storyline with Amy and sexual harassment that Mm -hmm. one absolutely like I don't, you know when you just can't stop crying at an episode of a TV show? I just thought that was done so beautifully. And then I yeah. also really liked the discussion that Gillian Anderson's character had with a young person at the school about being asexual. And that mm-hmm. I thought that scene was so well done. I'd already actually watched that scene. I think I saw it on Instagram, like someone had talked about it. But yeah. I just, yeah, I think it handles things so well. And so that is definitely my high because I already want to watch it again. <laughs> It's just so funny and I'm just like thinking of so many like like I keep seeing it on TikTok like bits of um, of it and the one that keeps coming up so much is Amy trying to decide what her future career is going to be and she's like (laughs) it says I should be a baker and it's like no there's no baker it says banker Um, and she's like "Mm, I'm gonna stick with baker because I do really like toast and I'm like yeah you're my favorite character yeah like now that I think about it she's yeah she's on the same wavelength as you she's just so funny I think she's great but yeah it's amazing so absolutely love it i could talk about that probably for the entire episode because there's so much and um, also the guy from horrible histories who is like the science teacher but also involved oh. in the music <laughs> the musical productions that go on in the assembly i think are top notch yeah i just think every element of it is so well thought out he is a really funny character like when they started introducing the storyline for those teachers i was a bit like not sure i'm gonna be invested but now you really are yeah when they spoiler alert skip ahead 15 seconds if you don't want to hear this when they decided they were moving in together the two teachers i was like oh that's so cute and it also made me realize that we're probably like closer to their age maybe now don't be ridiculous don't be (laughs) ridiculous they're at least in their 40s well the the man is for sure i will google him in fact just pause right here i'm gonna be googling to see because he's in peep show as well and he plays gerard in peep show see Um, this represents a wider issue of me just not i can't tell anyone's age because i would have said late 20s late 20s are you having a laugh Uh, he is 42 he is 42 (laughs) spoiler alert we're actually 40 (laughs) please no um so we are no more than 10 years older than the children (laughs) in the show Uh, and we are you know at least 20 years younger than those people Uh, see in my head they were late 20s so clearly never i mean if you want a confidence boost always ask me 
what you think what do I think your age is because I always say a younger age except for us apparently because you've just <laughs> aged us up freaking massively um, I'm not sure I think the, the female teacher would probably be younger um, yeah however can't confirm because I don't know uh, who the actress is but anyway um I retract the statement that was incorrect <laughs> Incorrect and inconsiderate to my feelings. Sorry. Okay, so moving swiftly on. <laughs> yeah. Low. So my low is, I've got like two lows, but they're like highs slash lows. So the first okay. one, and they're both related to interior design slash home. Let's okay. <laughs> give you a little, a little pre, preemptive snapshot. Hit me with it. So the first one is, we have been noticing we haven't got a problem with spiders there's not loads of wasps there's not loads of slugs or anything horrible but we keep finding ladybirds do you know what right jay's sister had a problem with ladybirds in her bedroom a couple of years ago and she's really scared of them whereas i really like a ladybird yeah i mean as far as insects go like i would say they're a welcome friend rather than a feared monster but (laughs) (laughs) like where do they come from and is it something we should be worried about Yeah, I wonder, like, it's obviously not ideal to have any massive amounts of insects, no matter how cute Mm -hmm. they are. I say massive, it's four. (laughs) Are you okay? It's four over the course of a week, but given... Have you called an exterminator? Because I think (laughs) you might need one. Because given the fact that I've never seen one in my house before, it just seemed a bit weird. So it's not yet at that point. Right, Okay. Well, if that's the low of your week, then you've had a pretty good week. (laughs) See, I told you they were like high slash lows. So it's like, Mm -hmm. do we have a ladybird problem? If so, is that the worst problem? Probably not. And then the second low is that I am loving decorating my new flat. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like when you move into a rented space, um, you moved into an unfurnished one, which is kind of different because then you do get to completely make it your own. But we moved into a furnished one um, and they already even had bookshelves up. So I didn't put up my own bookshelves. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like you do have to like make purposeful steps to try and make it your own space. So I've been ordering some things over the course of like the last two months. I ordered the most gorgeous rug and coffee table. They still haven't arrived because I don't know if this is Brexit related, but the coffee table said 11 weeks. Which <gasps> no, to like be a long fair, time. like when I was ordering some furniture, like some furniture just has really long lead yeah. times. Like I had to wait so long. Well, I mean, you remember sitting yeah, on camping I do chairs in my living room because that was all we had to sit on. Um, so it's it is annoying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some things are arriving, like the little things. Like I'm going to show you this thing. It's right in front of me. I got some mm-hmm. really cute coasters. I'm learning that my interior design taste is really weird stuff. <laughs> Look at the coasters. For anyone, oh no, that's they're like, quite cute. Yeah. For anyone that can't see, which is everyone but Kira, um, yeah. they're like abstract <laughs> Picasso style coasters. Faces, I really want to yeah. put them on my coffee table, but I can't because it's not here. So that's a low. But again, it's a high because I'm sure they'll arrive eventually. Yeah, it's like, it will eventually be a high, but right now, a bit of a low. Yeah. So, how about you? Okay, so, my high is also TV related. Nice. Um, So, as I'm sure many of you will know, um, I am a big fan of Grey's Anatomy. Um, (laughs) Really? You've you've never mentioned that? (laughs) Oh, haven't I? Uh, Well, I am, in fact, a big fan. I think, you know, on reflection, it is my favorite show ever like I really do really? believe that like I just think it's so great I love it so much um, and currently they're up to season 16 
on Amazon Prime and then season 17 which was out earlier this year isn't yet on Prime and as much as I love Grey's I'm not willing to spend £3 per episode to watch it because I know it will go on Prime eventually and season 18 is currently being released like actually on TV so that won't be on Prime for ages yet Mm -hmm. so I have actually started re-watching Grey's right from the start which is fun (laughs) however um if you've ever watched Grey's Anatomy from the start, you'll know that there's a character called Addison who is an icon, a legend. See, I don't like Addison. One. No, 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 no. <laughs> you don't understand though because I didn't like her either. But then when I went back and rewatched it, I really liked her. And also, I think the actress Kate Walsh is yeah, she's cool. She's really iconic. That makes me like Addison a lot more. But. Addison left Grey's Anatomy, I think in like season three, and she got her own spin-off show, Private Practice, where she goes to a private medical practice in LA, which is run by um, her friend from medical school. Um, And that was not on Amazon Prime previously, so I'd never considered watching it because I was like, eh, maybe eventually at one point. Private Practice. Oh, right, okay. Um, And it got put on Amazon Prime almost exactly as I finished my full watch through of Grey's Anatomy and got to season 16. So I thought, I'll put an episode on, see how I feel about it. A few days later, I am on season three and it's amazing. <laughs> I love it. I think, I respect that. you know, when you take Addison out of the Derek Meredith love triangle situation and let her flourish as a character in her own right. She's actually really great. And also, she's um, a double board certified surgeon, but one of her specialties is um, that she's uh, OBGYN, which is something that we do not say here, just a gynecologist. Um, But she obviously does a lot of baby stuff. So I love called the midwife, I love baby stuff. And because it's her own private practice situation, there's a lot more of that Mm. rather than like trauma surgeries. And then there's also other characters. It's a smaller cast of characters than Grace. So I feel like you get more long-term like patient storylines rather than just like one per episode type of thing Uh, and it's like similar enough to Grey's that I really like it but also different enough that it feels like its own thing and you're not directly comparing it and there have been a couple of crossovers already with like them going over to Seattle Grace as it was at that point in the series and then Bailey came over to the private practice to do a surgery and I just think it's really fun so it's a new love of mine. I'm very happy to have found it. Um, and yeah, what do I recommend? I'm for you. Do you know what's like, you think, saying that then, I think that's a common theme in like media, like TV shows, books, that kind of thing, where you have a love triangle and that kind of third person, so Addison in that love triangle, kind of feels like an extra part that's just in there to facilitate the love triangle. Mm-hmm. And then when you take them out, like people don't know how to feel about them having their own life on their own because... I saw on Instagram that, I know you haven't read it, but I think you'll probably have heard of it. You know The Simple Wild by K.A. Tucker? It's like the yeah. romance set in Alaska. Mm-hmm. Um, there's two books in that series, and I think there's some novellas, but I haven't read them. And I really enjoyed it. Uh, and then, so it's Kala and Jonah are the main two, and then there's like a third person, and it's a love triangle. And when she announced that she was writing like a standalone book about this third character to give her mm-hmm. story, and like it's not going to interfere with the love triangle anymore, like just a separate story, people did not know how to react. And I think, like, when they read that book, and I'm going to read it too, I think we'll love it because it's, like, you see them in all of their own kind of, like, glory. Yeah, like, who they are outside of that context. Yeah. And in the situation of Derek, Meredith, and Addison, I'm obviously team Meredith and Derek. Yeah. A.K.A. Murder, because I just think... <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag murder. 
I, I just, obviously it's correct, it's right, it's what should be. But I think Addison is actually a really great character. And again, going back to watch season one of Grey's Anatomy, there's a bit where Richard and Derek are stood in the in the lift and uh, Derek's like, why did you invite Satan to Seattle? And then Addison comes in behind them and she's like, I will answer to Satan, but I prefer ruler of all that is evil. And I just think actually when I'm looking back and I know how it ends for yeah. Meredith and Derek, I can then appreciate Addison's character a lot more than I did the first time around. So yeah, really like it. Love private practice, love Grey's Anatomy. And um, that is all I do with myself these days, just watch <laughs> US medical dramas. But you know, I'm happy, so I can't complain. That's um, why it's a high happiness all around. Exactly. Um, then my low of the week is actually that... I don't know if you remember, I might have mentioned this on a podcast ages ago, I I can't remember what the situation will have been, I'm sure I will have done, but um, we had a situation where our bath leaked and it went through the living room uh, light fixture and then caused all the power to go out. Um, We didn't have that happen again, but something quite similar happened. I was making like a roast dinner um, and there was like, you know, cauliflower broccoli beans all that kind of stuff in the kitchen cooking away and um, i think because it's colder outside now it's like um the kitchen got so steamy um and then we were sitting down to watch the last episode of a show that me and jay were watching together and the power just went out no and like the fuse tripped and we couldn't get it to go back on like it was very resistant to being turned back on and we think it might have been again some like moisture from the kitchen got into some kind of socket um yeah it was just really sad not only had i like made this nice dinner and we're excited to sit down and watch tv together but i'm just like not this again please i Um, feel like things like that always happen at the most annoying moments yeah and like the place that i rent from they have like a 24-hour helpline and they say you have to make all your calls through that so i call and it's the exact same as when the light fixture thing happened and the bath leaked um and they're just like, oh, well, it's out of office hours now, so we won't be able to call your property manager until the morning. Um, so just wait and see. Or if you want to, you can call an emergency electrician. And I'm like, uh, excuse me. This is yeah. a, a managed property. Like, the whole reason that it's managed is that you're not meant to make the decisions about who to call and what contractors to use yeah. yourself. And also, what is the point in a 24-hour helpline if... If you can't get help 24 hours. Yeah, like, if it's only in office hours, I might as well just wait till the next morning and email the property manager who I already have, like, a relationship established with. So that was frustrating. In the end, it went back on the next morning when things had, like, dried out. But I just thought, like, I mean, that's crazy because it's, like, it's a kitchen, it's going to get steamy. So if that's going to trip the electricity, it's a bit annoying. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you saying that just reminded me that my low of the week should definitely have been that I have no hot water. (laughs) Yeah, it should. Be. Why? Why am I harping on about the ladybirds when I'm currently <laughs> having to go to my friends to shower? Literally. Um, but that's another one that it's like, you can contact them at any time, but they're only going to be able to get someone in a weekday. And of course, it would happen on a Saturday morning, so the very beginning of the two day period that you can't get help for. Yeah. Um, it is just very irritating. You don't realise how much you rely on these things. I mean, I did say at least it wasn't the water's gone off. That'll be worth. Yeah, because at least you can still have a cup of tea. Do you have a bath in your place, or is it just yeah. a shower? No, we have a bath. Cause, cause so you, you could, could do the kettle. Technically, yeah. you could, it would be a lot of effort. 
and if you have somewhere else you can go for a quick shower then that's probably the better solution yeah. but it's like still a bit annoying um this isn't a low of my week but it's just kind of made me think about how also in my house you can't change the temperature of the shower what so, so what's like, the temperature what are we talking so it's currently set to like 42 degrees and um, so you can change the boiler temperature as like right. the um, you could change the uppermost temperature of the boiler on like the boiler display thing but in a normal shower you know you got your dial and you can turn yeah. it up or you down you don't have that it exists it just doesn't work and um, so essentially the shower just goes to that uppermost temperature so you have to like figure out based on the season what temperature you want the boiler to be right. and then just be okay with it being that forever so which is a bit difficult because i'm always colder than jay so like I, do you know i think that's a thing i've seen tweets about it i think men yeah. like a colder shower they're wusses yeah well they're just like um I think their core body temperature is higher. So they like, need a colder shower. Yeah, or like it, the heat doesn't just warm them up to a normal temperature because they're starting at a higher temperature than they overheat or something like that. But I think, screw them. <laughs> yeah. I want a hot shower. So, um, yeah, so that, that's another thing to add. And um, just while we're talking about property issues. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to talk about from this week? Um, only that I can see that you've got autumnal nails and I did mine yesterday autumnal and I really enjoy yes. that vibe. I mean, yours are better than mine because I did mine myself, but let's see. Them. I mean, oh, let's see. yours are really nice though. Oh, they are cool. So yeah, I went to, we always talk about um, Spark, which is a food place mm-hmm. in York where there's like loads of different places. We've been loads of times. It's on my YouTube channel. Literally every time I eat out, pretty much I go there. But there are, it also is, well... But there is also a little like um nail salon well like it's just a beauty salon there in one of the units and they have like hair nails eyelashes eyebrows all that kind of stuff and there's like a collection of different um like technicians who like hire out the space for like a couple of hours a week and it's a little bit of a sort of cooperative situation and there's this one person there called alex who I went to once just on a whim because I wanted to get my nails done for my sister's birthday Um, but Mm -hmm. I loved it so much that I've booked in appointments like every three weeks from now until the end of Christmas and um, love that that's only because you can only book three months in advance as well so I am going to book ahead of that Um, Mm -hmm. but I decided to go for a like speckled look with an autumnal colour palette and I was so impressed with it because like it started off with just like three or so orange splotches on each nail and like as you see them doing like the first couple of ones I'm like I don't see how this is gonna yeah. look how you want it to look but then by the end you're like wow good job so mm, yeah I just I think nail artists are so cool I mean I recently because I ordered the coffee tables mm-hmm. I had to make some make some changes to my routine so I'm doing my own nails at the moment um and I've gone for like a one of them I like like that what would you say that color is like a burnt orange yeah um, a cream and a green and I've like Mm. just done my nails all of the colors because why choose one when you can choose them all Uh, and it's made me laugh because these nail colors are called pistachio iced latte and apricot tart which are just the nicest selection of names for nail Mm. polishes and I've been doing a bit of writing at the moment and I was writing a scene uh in the week and they were talking about nail polishes like it was not the main point of the chapter (laughs) but it was it did come up in conversation and I was trying to think of nail polish names and so then I was going on to nail polish website I was like on boots scouring the names and some of that is so weird (laughs) yeah you do wonder like where do they come up with these ideas from but um I yeah I've not had my nails done in years and now I'm just like 
loving life. Yeah. It's so much fun. Um, and like, yeah, like you say, nail uh, technicians are so talented because it's like art on like a tiny scale, um, which is just yeah. like, I think really impressive. And I'm really enjoying it. I'm using a vegan gel nail so I feel like it's making my nails really long and strong um but I am forever fearful that I'm gonna like snap one because I just feel so upset now yeah I have have something at stake now they're not just nails (laughs) they're pieces of art on the end of my hands it like levels up your life I always feel so much more confident when I've got my nails done I know that's like seems like a very shallow thing but I think it is a thing yeah no I agree I feel like it just it's like a constant thing of like you've made an effort even though mm. you're not doing anything different every day because once you've done them once, like they're on there for a little while, but it just feels like you've put more effort in. So it makes fun. you feel like you've got your life together, even if like no element, no other mm. element of your life is together, which I yeah. enjoy. So that's basically the rest of my week. Don't know about you. <laughs> um, two things for me to mention. The first one, this episode will be going up Halloween week, which is next week for us as we're recording it so I thought I'd mention my most recent completed read which was It by Stephen King nice um I really enjoyed it actually so I I like Stephen King but some of his works I've read and I've not liked as much as others and then others I've been really impressed by um so going into this one I was nervous because I wasn't sure whether I'd like it but also it was such a big book that I was like if I don't like this this is going to be such a chore but I had to do it because I was hosting a buddy read for it so I was like I've committed to this but it was actually such an easy read in the sense like it didn't feel super long it didn't feel like oversaturated with detail for me there were certain elements obviously that I didn't like as much as others but I really liked it it was told in quite an interesting way in the way that it went between like a um past and present timeline where the characters were children and then adults and sort of like weaving together information in a way that builds up the complete story um and I just really liked it I also listened to a little bit of the audiobook I mostly read it physically but then when I was at the gym I did listen to some of the audiobook and I really liked that as well um and on the whole it was just an enjoyable experience um not as scary as I expected but I think I always find that with books like I I don't find paranormal um, books that scary because I think it kind of removes you from the horror of it. Whereas with with a like horror film with all of the visual elements, the music and everything, I think it is a lot scarier and harder for Mm -hmm. me to enjoy. Whereas with the horror books, I think I can enjoy the story and the mystery and the suspense building a lot more. So really enjoyed that and thought I'd mention it seeing as it is Halloween week after all so the end of spooky season um and then the other thing I wanted to mention um kind of sort of a little bit spooky as well is that um I finally decided to watch a few episodes of the mighty boosh which is I've never heard of that <laughs> have you not so it's a bit of a niche comedy I think um Jay loves it and has always loved it but I've always from the recollections him and Sadie his sister have told me about it I've always thought that that sounds a bit too weird for me like it is very bizarre but it is um co-written and starred in by Noel Fielding who is obviously one of the hosts of the Great British Bake Off and I have over the last few years really grown to love Noel I think he's great I think he's hilarious and I was like Do you know what 
I'm gonna give it a try and I love it but there is an episode about a crack fox which is like a fox who lives in the bin and he is on crack um (laughs) and literally (laughs) terrified me um so I think the crack fox was a little bit scary definitely a great Halloween watch there's also one called Nanageddon about um an Armageddon led by grandmas <laughs> um, and it's very weird and yet also really hilarious but also when I'm watching it I can't help but think like I really wish I could have been a fly on the wall in the like conceptual writing stage of this because I just would <laughs> love to know what the two writers were just like talking about and like imagining themselves playing all of these different characters in this show and I'm like it's really weird, really weird, but really funny, and I'm glad that I decided to watch it. So yeah, I think Love that brings that my you. week to an end. <laughs> um, and with that, shall we move on to our main section of the podcast? Let's do it. Okay, so welcome to our Sally Rooney book discussion. We just took a short mini break to wait for my phone's charge out of the glamour of podcasting. And can I just say, I feel so prepared to discuss a book now. I made a cup of tea and I've just had a warmed up in the microwave cinnamon bun. Ooh. That had like orange rind on top. Have you, ever, have you ever done Too Good To Go? That app where you get like... So like yeah. at the end of the day loads of food stores so like Nero's on it Starbucks Millie's cookies has just gone on it at the end of the day they'll put like a bag of their stuff that they didn't sell but they don't want to waste and you can get it for really cheap and we got a Costa one the other day and it had loads of cinnamon buns and tiffin in it's been a good weekend (laughs) that sounds delightful and I just I mean cinnamon rolls are my absolute favorite and not to harp on about more things in the weekly roundup because that is over but yesterday I did make a cinnamon bunt cake Oh my god. Um, Autumn baking. Yeah, it was kind of inspired... Well, it was a bit Bake Off inspired um, in terms of being like... um the like yeasted bread cake thing they did for German week so I I was kind of inspired by that from last week's bake-off and so I made a big cinnamon bun cake thing and it's delightful so I just think cinnamon's like the ideal flavor for this summer not summer autumn <laughs> autumn so as I, mean, I was taking that yeah. 10 minute break eating a cinnamon bun that was warm and drinking oh. a yorkshire biscuit tea i was like this is a kira moment wow that is that is iconic we love yeah. to see it i just think cinnamon is great for all seasons but especially autumn winter but yeah i, I yeah. love it love it a lot but enough about cinnamon because we did just do a weekly roundup but i just felt like i needed to say that you know because mm-hmm. book club discussion snacks drinks you know that kind of thing so yeah. we thought we would do an episode where we discuss our thoughts on sally rooney beautiful world where are you which came out in was it september 7th of september yeah. so we are she knows late she knows. <laughs> we're late on this one and i feel like just because of how things worked out i think we both read it not as close to the publication date as we'd like previously planned yeah. to um and then you know it's actually nice i think to allow your like initial thoughts on a book to ruminate for a while and then come back and discuss them you know like a month later when you've really allowed it all to like settle in yeah definitely establish your opinions so i'm excited to talk about this and i think at the end it will be good to do like a little 
ranking of the three Sally Rooney novels yeah. because why yeah. not <laughs> so I think well first of all I just need to point out that actually like it's not just us two in this book club because I can see Oscar sat on Kira's knee so clearly he has thoughts that he would like to share he's got the so context. many thoughts Kira's cat not <laughs> her boyfriend <laughs> yeah <laughs> Jay sat on my knee <laughs> Um, but it's interesting going into this discussion because if you follow Kira on YouTube, which if you don't, why not? Because she has the best YouTube channel. I have given up Stop on YouTube, it. but she is still thriving. Um, and she is like the Sally Rooney queen. So she, you. you love them, don't you? You love Sally Rooney. I, I love Sally Rooney's books. Um, her first two books I've read within the space of like a month or two of each other for the first time and I just absolutely loved them so when it was announced that she was bringing out a new book I was obviously like lots of people so excited to see what it would be and you know what the book would be about whether I would like it as much as the other ones so yeah I'm a a full wholehearted Sally Rooney fan. Yeah and then I am kind of on the fence in that Conversations with Friends is one of my favourite books of all time. I've read it three times, already want to read it again. Like, I just <laughs> really connect with it. And every time I read it, read it so quick. And I'm just so immersed in it. Like, the characters are flawed, but that's Sally Rooney's thing. And I just love Francis. Whereas normal people, I just did not connect to. I love the TV show. The adaptation was just brilliant. Um, but the book, I just didn't feel the same way about. And it's not something I would ever be likely to reread again. So I'm more Ooh. on the fence. And, like, I loved one... I didn't hate one, but I just felt indifferent towards one. And so going into this, I think we always said, like, it could go either way, definitely, for me. And then you were more of, like, you know, you went into it with a Sally Rooney love. Yeah, and an expectation to love it again. Especially because, you know, despite differing opinions on normal people and conversations with friends, I think there is, like, clearly from those two books, like, uh, a Sally Rooney-specific style. You know, she has these characters who are often dealing with a variety of different issues all kind of comes down to an inability to be emotionally vulnerable which then impacts their ability to be honest about their emotions and therefore have fulfilling happy and long-lasting relationships and see how did you just like think of that on the spot what the hell thank you uh but yeah so that kind of is like at the heart of her novels and then there's loads of other things that go into making each of them unique and you know she does great work of like characterizing each of her protagonists very uniquely but there was like an expectation of at least like the rough theme that you'd be getting from this novel I guess because of like the the themes and, and ideas that she focuses on in her other books so yeah and I think it's I think it's very cool because in almost every kind of sub genre of a genre there's a writer that like started it off and they're kind of like the pioneer of it like I think a lot is to be said for is it E.L. James like obviously Fifty Shades of Grey very (laughs) flawed not a fan but she did open up this whole genre of books about women enjoying sex and I think that hadn't really been explored or hadn't been like claimed as a space and then obviously you've got um who wrote Twilight who wrote Twilight Stephanie Stephanie Meyer yeah (laughs) and she kind of opened up that whole Moving on from, like the, yeah but like a young adult genre really like I don't re- really remember there being so much of a buzz around YA before that and I also feel like Sally Rooney has really opened up this kind of character driven kind of mundane but explores a lot within that literary fiction like subgenre. I, I, I see so many books being yeah. compared to Sally Rooney in bookshops she's definitely you know literary fiction obviously is like 
well established but I think you know so obviously her novels are very much written from like a, mm-hmm. an Irish perspective which I think maybe feels unique to readers who are maybe more used to reading either British or American literature so it kind of offers a different perspective on the western world we also have you know like elements of all the things I've already previously mentioned about the relationships and emotions and stuff but she weaves in a lot of like intertextuality with Mm -hmm. like references to other much more like classic authors and people who you would expect well-read people to have read um I put inverted commas in in well-read because obviously that is I think part of what the book tries to at least dismantle a bit is like this like perception of like what people should be um and then there's also a lot of discussion on, on things like socialism political ideology all of that kind of stuff and yet her novels are fairly short and mm. you know they seem to do a lot in not a lot of pages yeah. um and, and they think... say a lot without saying a lot like it's yeah. not like a taking over the world massive plot driven book and yet it does achieve they all achieve quite a lot yeah and I, I think what mentioning Stephen King again who obviously is a very description heavy author um whereas with Sally Rooney's novels you know description isn't necessarily like as a key part of the novel and it feels as though every word has like a specific purpose so like even though she doesn't write a huge novel uh you feel the impact because there's no like fluff around it it's all like very much like driving the purpose of whatever that novel is trying to do yeah absolutely so i think we've established that you're better at descriptions than i am so do you want to give like Uh, maybe yeah you knew this was coming i was never going to attempt this yeah no (laughs) see i think i i will struggle with this one but um okay so beautiful world where are you is a novel by sally rooney (laughs) yeah i could have said that bit (laughs) okay okay and then following on from that um, it is a novel which focuses on four protagonists. We have the two like connecting protagonists, Eileen and Alice, who are friends from university, who have kind of like since gone their separate ways in terms of the life path they've taken, but they're still in contact with each other and have that connection of a friendship that was established many years prior. Then we also have Simon, who is someone that Eileen knows from childhood. Um, from the same hometown as her and then finally we have Felix who Alice meets in a place that she has just kind of turned up in so we have each of these four characters and obviously they're all interconnected in the sense that they have varying different relationships with one another and various connections and friendships and all of that kind of stuff Um, and essentially Alice is an author she's very successful but she's also just recently come out of a psychiatric hospital um dealing with a bit of sort of exhaustion breakdown depression it's never really specifically Mm -hmm. said exactly what goes on but you understand that she had some kind of breakdown whereas Eileen is kind of living working in Dublin um really struggling despite being very intelligent to sort of make her way up the career ladder and both of them are unable to have any kind of meaningful romantic relationship that lasts for any considerable length of time and I feel it's hard to summarize Sally Rooney's books because I've always said they're not like super Mm -hmm. plot heavy so like it's a lot of character building a lot of relationships a lot of discussions there is a lot of letters letters yeah interesting yeah um and like you know various different ways of these characters connecting with each other saying things and not saying things you know there's lots of that but to actually summarize like what happens not a lot actually Mm. happened I actually think you've like really summarized Sally Rooney's books 
there by saying <laughs> it's more about observing what's not said that shows more than what actually is said, which I think is really interesting and it's something that I connect to in some books and yeah. don't connect to in others. And I think it's, yeah, it's a bit hit or miss for me. But okay, so before we go on to like a full discussion, did you like it? <laughs> I I liked it. But I didn't love it in the same way that I had loved both of her other books. Yeah. I mean, I tried to start reading this around publication and then I moved house and I just could not, like, I could not compute reading at all as a concept. So I read it then later (laughs) and I read it in a weekend and I did enjoy it, as you say, but we're kind of recording this a couple of weeks after we've read it and I'll be honest I'm kind of struggling to remember a lot of of it so like I enjoyed it in the moment but it's not again it's not one I think I'll rush to pick up again no I I don't know why and I I struggled to put this into words when I was reading it and like filming a reading vlog to go alongside it but I struggled to connect with the characters in this novel whereas I instantly felt like I connected with the characters in uh, Normal People and Conversations with Friends, both main characters and sort of like more subtle side characters who kind of pop up here and there and add a little bit to the story. I felt I could connect with and understand all of those characters a lot more so than I could with with these characters in Beautiful World Where Are You? And I don't know if I went into it with an expectation that it would be similar to Conversations with Friends based on the fact that that is a book which looks at kind of like a a love square so we've got four main characters there and obviously this was a novel with four main characters and I think maybe I had that perception that they would be quite similar but they weren't really and I don't know it's obviously still a good book and there are lots of elements that I did like but just on that like basic connection with characters I didn't feel I have that so that is kind of where I don't think that's something that you can like orchestrate you either like have it or you don't. Yeah, I agree. I I felt the friendship between the two characters, but I didn't feel connected to either of them like separately, uh, which was interesting. I think Conversations with Friends was about Francis and Bobby, but it wasn't written from both of them, was it? It was just Francis, which yeah, I don't, so know, we I don't know if that affected it, maybe? Maybe, yes. We had a, a leading main character in that one, and then we had, you know, other characters were a key focus but it was all through uh francis's viewpoint but then equally in normal people we have both the perspectives yeah, of connell and boy. marianne um and she, i think she balances those two perspectives really well and you know we see marianne and connell in you know um friendship in romance in you know periods where they're not talking to each other and periods where they're just acquaintances yeah. um and you see lots of different versions of Connell and Marianne as a pair not as a couple necessarily but just as a pair of people who know each other and I felt like you got to know them in such great depth and connected to both of them equally and understood how they functioned as a pair who kind of like magnetize each other back into their lives in so many different ways and I, I felt like this book was lacking that both in the way that you see the two main characters sort of function separately I I feel like you you knew they were friends but like I feel like neither of them had like the gravity to like hold a book on their own but then equally I wasn't really invested in or I didn't really care about them as friends like whether they stayed friends or didn't stay friends whether they grew apart or not and then equally each of their romances I was like yeah we've seen her do these romances before with you know people who have 
daddy issues or people who have like you know an inability to love themselves and therefore want to be hurt by their romantic partner or people who you know throw themselves at someone who they know isn't gonna respond like she's done that in her other novels and I didn't feel like there was anything new here and I, I felt that the thing that was new was this characters being very aware of the world around them and trying to balance that kind of mundane human instinct thing of wanting to focus on sex and relationships and Mm -hmm. kind of people interacting with each other but this bigger awareness of kind of climate change I thought was a a really big one and just like poverty and all these things and they're kind of battling and I think that is symptomatic of our generation and like younger generations as well like we're growing up but we can't focus on our own lives because we are so aware of what's going on around us and like the bigger picture and I think that bit was interesting but it also Mm. tried to do a lot I did think it was really interesting kind of towards the end that snippet of covid awareness because I've I've not read that in fiction which I thought was really interesting no and it's obviously it's a bold decision because it does like really place the novel yeah in a particular time frame, which I don't think any of her other books really do. Um, so that was interesting, but also, I guess, like, you know, reflective of, of an experience that I guess a lot of people can relate to. Um, mm-hmm. And it was only, brave. only a very short segment of the novel, so it's kind of like, a, oh, when was this added? Like, did she just get told to put yeah. this in at the end? I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, to just make a nod to COVID. I don't really know. It was interesting that she chose to do it because the rest of the novel could have been any time in like the general modern era so yeah I mean I think you could tell that it was kind of in this sort of era because I think that has it accompanied with it so much awareness of the world around us and climate change and things like that but as I do agree like it is a definite time stamp uh surrounding that kind of discussion of the characters being self-aware young adults or well I have to say that but they're old not adults, adults. <laughs> they're old adults um <laughs> I, I got a quote from the book because as you know can't talk eloquently about them but I do always come with a quote which I think sums it up and so the quote it. I picked was Maybe we're just born to love and worry about the people we know and to go on loving and worrying even when there are more important things we should be doing. And if that means the human species is going to die out, isn't it in a way a nice reason to die out, the nicest reason you can imagine? Because when we should have been reorganising the distribution of the world's resources and transitioning collectively to a sustainable economic model, we were worrying about sex and friendship instead because we loved each other too much and found each other too interesting and i love that about humanity in fact it's the very reason i root for us to survive because we're so stupid about each other and i thought that really sums it up because it's these characters that can't help but get invested in sex and relationships and the people in their direct inner circles but also are aware that there are more important things to be worrying about like in theory so i thought that was interesting yeah, that is an interesting way to phrase it. And like you say, there's definitely more like reflection on like the characters from the characters themselves. That makes sense. Like they are self-reflective yeah. throughout the novel, which I think is interesting. Um, I don't know how much to to what extent I agree with that quote because I I think <laughs> yeah. First of all, I think and maybe it adds to like to maybe like a narcissism to the characters and their self-reflection is like they're so self-important that they think if they didn't care enough about friendship and relationships then maybe they could change the world but it's actually like that's really not yeah i mean that's not at all accurate to the scale of some of the world's issues and also it's like you know that's not the reason why 
humanity's going to die out, humanity will die out because we've been really stupid about (laughs) industrialism. And Jay was telling me the other day that there are certain countries in the world who are trying to get other countries to change certain regulations about climate to allow them to keep using fossil fuels or basically say that we were wrong about how bad fossil fuels are so that they can keep using them. So still, even now, with all the knowledge we have, governments and world leaders care more about profit and industry than they do about the very, very fast approaching death of the whole planet if we don't change things. So I think obviously I would it's a say way that to, surprises me, but it doesn't. It's a very, you know, obviously Sally Rooney is an author and I'm I'm not suggesting that she's like not aware because I'm sure she very much is. But I think that quote in itself kind of romanticizes or reduces a situation down to something that's like actually completely irrelevant to Mm-hmm. But I think that's kind of what her characters are about. Like that, I don't yeah. think that. Like that's not. I didn't pick that quote because I think that. But I think that it. Her characters, especially in this book, it's like they don't think they are narcissistic and they don't think they are selfish, but they are. <laughs> they are. They're actually probably some of the worst types of people. And I mean, I like her characters and stuff, but like in the grand scale of things, they're some of the worst types of people in the sense that they're like super aware and educated and judgy of other people but equally are contributing almost nothing to the solution themselves and that's not a critique of anyone listening who is also not contributing to a solution because I'm not saying I am but I think there there are certain types of people who are highly educated highly aware and very opinionated on certain issues who are very judgmental of some decisions that other people make but actually don't do anything to Mm-hmm. work to the opposite or work to what they claim to believe in and I think yeah her characters are very indicative of like the I don't know people who are, are very loud but don't actually do much so yeah and I think yeah her characters are always never I mean far they're always far from perfect people and they're very flawed and in conversations with friends I really liked that I liked it that Frances wasn't kind of she wasn't this perfect person she seemed like a person that has thoughts that if we're honest a lot of people have the same thoughts but this one just felt I felt very far removed from those characters like I couldn't connect to them in any sort of sense and I felt that they yeah I I can't it's hard to put your finger on it but I just felt like they weren't the best people no like you know there are certain characters like Connell for example in Mm -hmm. normal people like him or dislike him I think he comes from a less uh, well-off economic background and when he goes off to university he's very aware of his circumstance and isn't afraid to stand up to people and contradict beliefs that he thinks are like fundamentally wrong and I think he isn't ever claiming to be sort of changing the world but I think he also doesn't want to be sit back and yeah he sort of tries to like reframe the narrative for people who maybe don't see things in his way and also tries to understand things coming from different perspectives and I just think there's a more realistic sense of someone there where it's like they have opinions they're aware but he doesn't feel necessarily like as judgmental I don't know that might just be the way I'm remembering it but I just feel like there's like no I do agree with you yeah and I did so here's something to to mention um is the age of these protagonists because that was something that I noticed and kind of held on to throughout the reading experience. So in both Normal People and Conversations with Friends, um, the main characters are of university age. In Normal People, it starts when they're 18 at school and goes right through until the end of 
college so they'll be like 21 and then Francis and Bobby in in conversations with friends are about 20 21 as well so they are very young adults just kind of starting out in adulthood figuring out like their first long-term relationships and who they want to be as people kind of like planning what comes after university and for me it kind of felt like you were witnessing the transition from you know teenage sort of childhood kind of like late childhood era to adulthood as someone kind of establishes who they are outside of their hometown and family relationships and who they kind of want to be going forward um whereas in beautiful world where are you the main characters are 29 and they met Mm -hmm. at university or prior so so Alice and Eileen met at university and then Eileen and Simon knew each other from childhood um so we only meet them as adults and as they're sort of at that age where they're about to turn 30 um and yet a lot of the things that they're experiencing in terms of relationships feels very similar to her younger protagonists Mm -hmm. so that was something that I noticed when I was reading it because I thought from a structural or like just like a, a why point of view from like why she chose to do it, like I just don't really know what was her decision behind choosing characters who were so much older than her previous yeah. protagonists but actually still focusing on almost the exact same things and therefore showing like no real emotional maturity or growth from her characters who are a lot younger. I don't know Yeah, that no, makes I- sense. I d- well, I mean, you, I, when I talked about it a few minutes ago, called them young adults when they're definitely not. And I think if this was her first book, you wouldn't question that because I'm sure that in your late 20s, a lot of the same thoughts like do occur in some extent, to some extent. But because, as you say, she chose to wrote, write about those people on the cusp of adulthood and then these people that are approaching 30 and there isn't any noticeable difference. Like it, you are right in saying... I'd be interested to know like why she did that, which like yeah, she could have said they were at university and you wouldn't have questioned it because they're yeah. you know Alice is more established in her career as like an author, mm-hmm. but Eileen is still working what seems like a very like low paid job without many prospects and she seems like she's grinding away at work, doing a lot of hours and you know, at that point in your career you'd be like eight years in, you'd expect to have like progressed a little bit further. Um and I don't know, it just feels like the thing that made it most noticeable to me, because I know that people have all kinds of ups and downs with career and also like your age doesn't necessarily define that. So that's one thing I noticed, but that's not necessarily the main thing. But it was the way that they interacted with each other and with their romantic partners that felt just like it was exactly the same as her younger yeah. protagonist. And some of her female main characters... um allow themselves to be treated really poorly or in fact invite that sort of poor treatment from people um really openly where they just kind of want to degrade themselves in a way that is indicative of their like mental state and just like their inability to accept love and I guess I was sad reading it because you felt like okay Marianne for example was brought up in a household where she was treated coldly by her mum and abusively by her brother who was like physically aggressive with her and so you can see that when she becomes an adult and moves away this is her first experience of a relationship outside of her family and so her frame for that is completely sort of dictated by the experiences that she's had in childhood being bullied and then sort of treated badly by her own family whereas Eileen for example you know seems like she has a bit of 
an off relationship with her older sister and things like that but on the whole she has parents who seem like they care about her um and you know she has like a a more stable family framework than marianne did in, in normal people and yet she's still like very inviting of this like horrible treatment from people and it, mm. it was sad to me to think that someone would have been it kind of felt like looking at like marianne if she didn't change yeah. at all over the next eight years and we're actually just still that's in so that true cycle. i hadn't even thought of that um, that's very true so yeah it was it was more sad to me like that i was just like i wonder why sally rooney has decided to make her character so much older but still deal with the exact same issues and like that lack of emotional growth or like self-love and all of that kind of stuff which again i think made it harder for me to connect with the characters um I don't know. It's a weird one because it's like I'm kind of in between the ages of her two protagonists. Like yeah. being 24, I'm like all right, slap bang in the middle of her younger side and older side. But I feel like I definitely relate more to the younger side or could at least have a, a feeling of like, oh yeah, when you're at university and figuring out what's going on, like that's relatable. Whereas I, well, I already am not like that now at 24. So I'm like, if I was like that at 29 and still sort of unable to accept unable to remove myself from toxic situations and to be in a healthy relationship I would just feel very sad about that so I just felt like it was more melancholic even though the themes were the same just to think that there were people of that age who still hadn't had the sort of emotional breakthrough to protect themselves I don't know it was weird yeah I think that's kind of our general thoughts that we just don't really know how we feel but we feel a bit weird about it and i think this is a good point maybe to give the ranking okay do you want to go first Um, or do you want me to go first you go first okay so obviously conversations with friends is in my top 10 books of all time probably even top three and so it's very firmly it would have taken like a miracle book to have taken it and then I just feel like normal people and Beautiful World Where You are very much in second and third, but they could switch. Like, that there's quite a big gap between first and second, but then second okay. and third, they're, like, on top of each other. So okay. I w- for the sake of the f- ranking, I'm going to go conversation with friends, normal people, Beautiful World Where Are You? Okay, so my ranking is the same order. So Beautiful World Where yeah. Are You is my least favourite. Then Normal People sits in the middle spot and then favourite is Conversations with Friends. However, I'm different from you in the sense that for me, first and second place are very close. Like yeah. I really, really love Conversations with Friends and Normal People. However, I'm conscious that my experience of Normal People, I really liked the book, but then I think it more firmly became a favourite after watching the TV show yeah. and then rereading it. And I think I now kind of see the show and the book as kind of like one and the same and like they kind of are just like growths of one another. And I, I feel like I appreciate them as a pair. Um, yeah. Whereas Conversations with Friends, I'm very excited to see that TV show. But oh, at the moment, it's a book all on its own and I absolutely love it. So I think I loved that book just a little bit more than I loved the normal people book on its own if that makes sense but then they're like leagues above beautiful world where are you like if I look at my shelves and I could only keep a few books like if I could only have like 10 books or something I would quite happily give two of those like 10 spots to normal people and conversations with friends but there'd be no way that beautiful world where are you would be anywhere near getting into my top 10 books of all time so 
that's kind of where I stand on objectively it's a good book I enjoyed reading it and you know it was an interesting experience Sally really creates interesting characters like you say she has some really interesting sort of reflections on the world that we live in and what it means to be someone who is both aware of the problems that we're having as a world but also unable to actually do anything as an individual to change that very interesting but just on that sense of like immediate connection with characters loving characters and just loving the book which is something that you can't always put into words it's just kind of a feeling yeah I just I didn't have that with this one and I I do accept that maybe going into this book with her other two books as such favorites I've read this one much more critically than maybe I would read other books but that is just the yeah. world that we're in right now <laughs> the beautiful world that we're in right now. <laughs> um so yeah I guess like although it's our least favorites we still appreciated it and I for one and I I think you'll probably agree it was so magic to see so many people Mm. getting excited about the same book like amidst all of the shit that has gone on in the last couple of years and is still going on people can be united by the thought of a reading experience and I just think that is really powerful and I I actually felt emotional scrolling through my Instagram feed the day it came out even though I forgot to do like on the day delivery for pre-order so mine didn't arrive (laughs) annoying um I just thought it was really, just really cool to see everyone united over this. It's amazing because I I just think, you know, Sally Rooney has had like unprecedented success and it's so, so amazing to like see how successful she has been because, I mean, it's just wonderful to see someone be so successful doing what they love. Like, I'm always happy to see that. So absolutely love that and yeah I do think it was amazing to see everyone's thoughts on it and everyone getting so excited about it and also now that she has three novels I think it's been really interesting to see like which ones people connect with because I know people there are people who love this one more than her other ones and other people who love you know normal people more than anything else and I just think it's really interesting to see that um split of opinions of people and what they think of her works so yeah yeah still a really great experience and so fun to have read a Sally Rooney book as it came out yeah definitely both with conversations with friends and normal people I came to them later than they had been published so yeah so yeah lovely to get swept up in just this community feel so I feel like that's a really nice note to end on Mm um I'm really like just happy that we've been able to discuss this because I feel like we couldn't let it pass us by the opportunity to do a whole episode dedicated (laughs) to this one so and actually just thinking ahead when Beth O'Leary's book next comes out expect the same from us expect the same I think that's gonna be a good experience I know I literally honestly when I think about a new Beth O'Leary book the world just seems like it's been put to rights so yeah thank you for joining us with this book discussion we hope you enjoyed it absolutely I feel like we feel like um we look very critical but um (laughs) Sells. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, but that's because we're putting our critical heads on. I saw this meme that said, when I rate books, it's literally just based on vibe, so take no notice, which is so, like, ind- indicative, is that the word? Yeah. Of how I, like, review books. Um, but yeah, we put our critical heads on for this one, but we, we did love the reading experience. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye.